last night when we were praying and uh, we were, Hannah and I, we were praying in tongues and asking the Lord, what is the word for today? What is God really wanting to say? God led me to a scripture and I like to take you right there. And because of time, we're just gonna go straight to the actual point. And I want you to look with me at First Chronicles chapter 13. And we're gonna look at the response of David to the glory of God, really. Now what happened here is when we look at it, we see actually that David wanted, David was this poet, he was this singing king, he was this man who had a dream. You know, the, we often read about Martin Luther. Martin Luther had a dream. And David had a dream. And the dream of David was to restore the Ark of the Covenant, which was to them the very essence of God's glory, the very essence of God's presence. For them, it was this ark. For you and me, it's not a physical ark anymore, just the opposite. We will still come to that. But at the same time, for them, the ark of the covenant was the embedment. It was the very presence of God. And now David had this dream. And David had this dream of restoring that presence, that ark of the covenant back to the city of David, which is of course Jerusalem. And now David made this plan, and we see this plan. Uh, we read of it actually in First in First Chronicles chapter thirteen. I'll come to this part later, and I like to go First Chronicles chapter thirteen from verse one to eleven. And now we see David has this enormous plan. Now, people, I like, I like organizational things. I like uh, when God is moving things. I just shared in the first session, uh, the, just the dynamics when we organize Pastor Reinhard Bonke's crusade in Lagos. Just our, just our counselors were 89,000. Just the counselors. And that's quite a few people just to be counselors, you know. And so we had to train them and so on. And so we had the, the 1.2 million people and just the sound system and everything that was involved with that is quite massive. But it was not as massive as what David was attempting to do here. David did still one up on us there. And we see here in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, David consulted with the cap chapters and the the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader. That in itself is something. And so, and David said to all the assembly of Israel, First Chronicles chapter 13, verse one, now we are verse two. If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out our brethren everywhere. We are left, but are left in the land of Israel, and with him to the priests and the Levites. So we see that David pulled in here, he, he pulled in what we would call the political guys, he pulled in the spiritual guys, he pulled in everybody. He called the leaders, he called the planners, he called the, uh, the, the, everybody that is involved in uh, the elders of the land, but he also pulled in the spiritual people, the priests and the Levites. So everybody was involved into this plan, and David pulled them together, and he said to them this, he said to them, um, and let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. So David gathered 
all Israel together, from Solo, Egypt, and so on and so on. And then we read how David set this whole plan up. Now, I'm not going to spend time on the dynamics of what that must have been looking like, but I think that's massive. I mean, anybody that's worked with nations will tell you to organize something like this, you need a few miracles. <laughs> And so God worked with David because he says, if it seems good to the Lord and to you, let us do this. And of course, God was in the plan. There's no question that God was in this plan. God wanted, absolutely, I'm sure, God wanted his ark of his covenant away from there and he wanted it back with David who was really the king after his own heart, people. I have no doubt that that was God's plan and that God was in it. But when God wants to bring a new dimension, sometimes the problem doesn't lie with God, it sometimes lies with us that just need to do a few readjustments. Come and say amen. Say to your neighbor, hey, God is going to adjust a few things. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that God isn't blessing it. It doesn't mean that God is not with us. It just means that God sometimes needs to take in what we do for unto the Lord in our weakened vessels, earthen vessels, as we heard through the WOW conference. And God needs to give it a different dimension. And he needs to readjust a little bit our dimension to work into his new dimension. So what are you talking about, Suzette? Let's just see this enormous task that David had. And now I can imagine how everybody came, and if you, we're not gonna read that now, but if you see the same story, and I think it's quite amazing that God would actually bring the same story twice in his book. Exactly the same story, really, which I think God is trying to get our attention. You know, sometimes we think God is saying the same thing again and again. God is not, God is not wanting just to say something. God is trying to get our attention sometimes. And in his grace, he says the same thing twice or three times sometimes. So in the same here, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we see that, that we have exactly the same story except with one point, just one little detail that we have more in 2 Samuel than what we have in Chronicles. And that is that David also that day when he gathered everybody and everybody finally came for this crescendo, for this amazing thing that's going to happen happen, this, this manifestation of God's glory and, and, and this plan that they must have worked how long on, and, and all this dynamics, David, this, this in, in Samuel tells us, David also had 30,000 of his heroes there. He had 30,000 of the choice men of Israel called the Bible, the Bible called them the choice men of Israel. Whoa, they must have been some warriors, you know. To be called 30,000 of the best of the land, and that of David, David, that's a warrior. I mean, they, they were, they, they, now we are talking about the big boys. You understand what I mean? And they were all there, and I wonder if they were there with their swords and with their shields, and I mean, they were the, they were the strong guys around. And now, we see here that David had them around. So the king of Israel was there as well, David. And so we wonder, I wonder what David himself, how he presented himself, his vision, his call, his dream was actually to have this happen. And he did it with, a, I'm sure, with a pure heart to glorify God, to bless the Lord, to bring the ark back, to, to do this dream that he had in his heart. And I'm sure he as the king of Israel with his crown and his royal robes were there as well. 
You understand what I'm saying? This was the occasion. This was not only the conference of conferences, this was the nation coming together to bring back the ark, which was the representation of God's glory. And now we see that God was in the plan, no question. But there was just one little detail that they have left out. And this is the thing that I think sometimes people, things might go wrong or it might look like it went wrong, but actually God is in the adjustment to bring in a new dimension. And this is exactly what we see happen here. Now they are ready and the music is going, and I mean, you can read it later, how this incredible worship must have happened and everything and the 30,000 men, they're ready, moving and marching and looking very important. And then the ox, the oxen that carried the cart on which the Ark of the Covenant was stripped. And Uzzah, we know, you can read the story later, stretch out his hand, which is nothing else than maybe a reflection. Understand, I mean, you and I would do the same, isn't it? I mean, ask me, I fell over a trolley and I went uh, with my reflection, stretching out all hands and arms as much as possible. But Usa stretched out his hand and dropped dead. And what should have been a day of great praise and celebration had such a damper on it and such a disappointment for the land. Now, Let's see what is happening here. The first thing we see in bringing God's glory or bringing God's breakthrough. You know, I, I'm not looking for revival anymore. I must confess before you how I fasted and prayed every year for a 40 day fast and whatnot, for revival, revival. Use me, oh God, use us more, bring us glory, give more the healing, revival. And I must confess before you, the revival that I had in front of me is the Pensacola revival. Because I was very involved with the Pensacola revival. How many of you have ever been at the Pensacola revival? Yeah, so you would know what I'm talking about. So for the evangelists, they would have Reinhardt's crusades of 1.2 million in front of them. But for me, it was being very involved with the Pensacola revival. That's really what I started praying for Papua. And actually, and I said, you know, I came to the place where I'm not praying anymore for revival. I'm praying for, I pray for an encounter that people would really come to repentance. That it's not about revival the way we know it, but repentance before God. And so I see here that suddenly Uzzah stretched out his hand and now we come to the verse here in verse 11 in 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and we see David was angry. The Bible says so. It says, and David became angry angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Why would God allow such a thing that looks like such a crescendo into such a negative? When it was actually not negative, God was in that plan. God was in that plan. So why, why would God allow something like this? I present to you today that God needed to show David what is in his heart. 
And sometimes God allows things to show us in our own heart, in all that we do for the Lord. And I always say the heart is wicked. The heart of man is wicked. You will never know what is in your heart until God shows you. It's just so. You will never know what's there. We don't even know what is in our own hearts until God revealed to us what's really sometimes inside of us. And that's exactly what happened here. God was showing David, David, you are angry, but actually I need to readjust this. Because in the midst of all your planning, you were readjusting the history of the future. I said to, um, when, I was, when I had the privilege to be at... Um, at Bless Wales uh, with pastor and so on. And um, here were all these mighty men praying, you know, and all these different people from Wales and they came with an honest heart. And anybody that has not been at the Bible college yet, you really need to go. I mean, you really need to go. It's beautiful the way they've done it. It is absolutely, you walk into history. You walk, it's like you, you wanted to stretch out your hand and say to his house, good morning. It's like that, isn't it? And you walk in there into the blue prayer room and you wanted to say to Evan Roberts, uh, come on, let's get praying, I, I'll follow you, kind of, you know. But the problem with that is that we can take what has happened there as the standard of the future. And that's exactly what happened. So now these people are praying and they pray like this. Oh God, do it again. And people, I am as guilty myself. Because I pray, oh God, please give us again a Pensacola revival. And actually it was there where I was in the morning walking and praying that the Holy Spirit, I just wanted to pray, God, do it again. And the Holy Spirit said to me, don't you dare praying like that. Wow. I said, why would I not pray like that, Lord? And the Lord said to me, you cannot take what I have done in the past as the measurement of what I want to do in the future. Because the Bible says, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard of the things God will do for those that believe Him. Amen. So now I thought, oh my goodness, I am the one that has to do that closing meeting there in Wales. And now I am the one to go and tell these guys, these great men of God, that praying, do it again, Lord. I, I'm the one that's going to throw the spanner in the wheels. And the cat among the pigeons, as we say from my, my nation. And I walk in there and I remember when I said that morning there, I said, people, the Lord spoke to me this morning. We have no right to take the past as the measure of the future. And we see here that God was adjusting David. God was in the plan, the, 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 the dynamics of that whole plan. But there was one problem. They put the ark on a cart, which was the way the Philistines did it, which was not according to God's plan. God's plan is that the Levites would carry that thing. And if God allowed that, now listen to me, for time's sake, I want you to listen carefully. If God allowed David to continue with that plan, every generation after David would have gone away from the original plan of God. Everyone. You know, my brother, sometimes why God has to stop you and God has to stop me and God has to stop some of you, not because you're bad, 
Not because God is not with you in the plan. Not because God is not anointing you. Not because the plan that God has given you and the vision God has given you is not from God. And don't blame the devil, please. Say to your neighbor, did you hear that? Don't blame the devil. Your life is not in the hands of the devil. Your life is in the hands of the living God, whose the Bible says the steps of the godly is ordered by the Lord. But God had to stop David from doing that because it was the system of the Philistines. God gave them a supernatural miracle where that cart was going with the oxen. But that was not the original word of God. God wanted the Levites from the very beginning to carry that things because a cart and oxen stands for ourselves and for our own power. But God doesn't want that. God works through his people. And so God had to stop him. Number one, God had to stop it for the next generation's sake. God had to stop sometimes what we do for the next generation's sake. And so God had to sometimes teach us that what looks like a disaster is actually God in the planning for the new dimension. Many a times, and I saw that also here. I saw actually, you know, like um, you, you saw these people here, and I had to learn, you know, I was, I mean, please, I am, I'm a missionary, but I'm with Reynard, and we are in this great dynamics, and even our own ministry, and wonderful worship teams like this, and then God picked me up, asked Heidi, and dropped me right in the midst of the mountain tribes that has no instruments. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me just tell you, Hill Song has not reached the mountains of Papua yet. A new generation, not either. They don't know about this kind of singing. They've got a stick and a water bottle and two notes. Na 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 hour after hour after hour after hour and find the glory of God in the midst of that, thank you. And we do, don't we? And they worship Jesus. And we're up in the mountains. And I will never forget it. We're up in the mountains there and I had problems with my, my leg to, 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 to bow down and to sleep on the floor. It was very painful at that time. And I found all these boxes full of boxes, boxes with dirty boxes that was left by some missionary just after Noah and the flood. And I opened the boxes and it's just cockroaches everywhere and rats and whatnot. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm after all a registered nurse. So I took bottles of disinfection and the, <laughs> and the team said to me, mom, you are killing all the cockroaches but also us because it was just smelling everywhere. And I opened these boxes and there's Bibles in there, Bibles. Now can you, can you handle it? What do you do with Bibles up in the mountains for people that cannot even read or write? So I took the Bibles and I packed them, packed them, packed them very nicely and I slept on the word of God, it was my bed. But the point is that there had to be a readjustment within me. Never mind the people. 
God was teaching me more about his glory than what God was teaching them through me. God was teaching me, Suzette, I don't really, although I very much appreciate this wonderful team, I don't really need the drums. I don't really need the guitars. I don't really need this worship teams that I was used to all the years in the, in the, in the nations where I travel. I only need the water bottle and the stick. And then they dance. And they, you see them here, how they jump like that? They jump, they take hands, and they jump, and they jump hour after hour after hour after hour, and their feet hit the ground like this, and it sounds like a drum, and it sounds like the drum was through my head all night. I thought by three o'clock they will be tired, nothing. I thought by four o'clock they will be exhausted, nothing. By five o'clock it was really on fire. And I went to them the next morning and I said, I said, why did you dance all night? What did they say? We are so glad you came. We had to praise the Lord. Oh my God, I hit the carpet again. I hit the grass. Forgive me my pride, Lord. Forgive me my pride. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? And I got to this place and I see David. We need to stop you, David, in what you think is what I need for the glory. David, this is what you think, great as you have done it, marvelous as you have done it, glorious as you have done it, but David, thank you for doing that. But really, there is something else I need for the glory. You know, people, we can organize well, and I, I am all for excellence, and I believe in that, and I believe we need order for God. And I think God blessed that greatly. But let me just tell you, God doesn't need that for the glory. And I saw, for example, that when things go wrong, and sometimes as things go wrong, and I just, I just jump quickly just to one or two points as I want to tell it to you, I was in Manipur. And we had this incredible, difficult getting into Manipur, which is a very, 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 very radical Hindu area. And um, not only was it very difficult to travel there, not only was it extremely expensive, but um, we were told we were not allowed to advertise because of the situation there, but we were able to allow to hire a, something like an arena kind of a thing that seated about 18,000. And so we were allowed to go there and it was days of travel with difficulties and tickets and ah, never mind. And, um, and anyhow, once we eventually got there, we were told by the officials that there is a curfew. Nobody can come to the crusade. You know, I was like David. I was not impressed with God. How many of you know what I'm saying? God showed me my own heart. And I say it very nice and sweet. I was not impressed with God. Flat out, I was, I was really angry. Lord, we struggled. We get here. We pay fortune to get here. We struggled with the teams and everything and the arena. And now we've got a curfew. Don't look at me like that. Don't act holy. Don't pretend you would not be the same. Come on, my brother, is that true or not? Look at them, they all sit here with halos. <laughs> I was not impressed. Oh, a child of God should not have such feelings. Well, God's glory in earth and vessels. <laughs> and I said, Lord, now what do we do now? 
And we actually went to that arena and I preached. I had, I don't know, maybe a hundred people in an 18,000 seater. It didn't even look like the choir, never mind like a crusade. But then I decided I am going to preach as if it's full of 18,000 people. And in the corner stood a tiny little hand, little camera, just a little home little camera like that in the corner. I didn't even give attention to it. I just preached to that poor hundred people that were there, that, that actually braved their lives to be there because it's a curfew. They're not even allowed to be outside. And I preached my heart out. I preached as if they sat 18,000 when it was only full of bucks and air. Three nights in a row. And they said to me, are you going tonight again? I said, yes, if I have to preach to those last streets, those last seats. They said to me, it's dangerous for you. I said, man, if this is my last sermon, I tell you what, those bucks will remember it that were there. <laughs> and the third night, fourth night, suddenly the curfew lifted and we had more people outside the arena than inside the arena. The place was packed. And I said to them, I said to the organizers, where does these people come from? Oh, they said, you don't know. I said, no, I don't know. They said, oh, you remember the little camera? I said, yes, I remember the little camera. They said, oh, there is only one channel in Manipur, and that was the channel, TV channel. <laughs> and here I think I'm preaching to bugs and insects, and in the meantime, I'm preaching to almost half a million people over a TV channel I didn't know. Do you know what Suzette was doing? Do you think Suzette was rejoicing over it? Nothing. I hit the carpet, forgive me what's in my heart. How many of you understand what I'm saying? I'm just like David, Lord, sorry. <laughs> I learned my lesson there, or I thought I learned my lesson there. And I started learning. I can tell you story after story like that. I don't even have time to tell you the helicopter story where we landed in the middle of the jungle of Papua and, it, and, my, and we had to do this emergency landing and we thought our helicopter was gonna fall and we land in a place we don't even know where. And when we eventually got there, the people said, please don't leave us. We prayed six years that God would send somebody. And like I said there to Heidi, my storm and my struggle and my problem and my readjustment was God's appointment. And it's the same year with David. David, you prepared this enormous ability and glory and, 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 and people and shining and the powerful men, which is all great, but I don't need all that for the glory, David. So let's see what we need for the glory. Let's quickly just look at it real fast. Jump with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15, show us actually what God needed. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, David built houses for himself as one in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. David never stopped the vision. Man, I like this guy. I already made an appointment in heaven to talk to him. He's my kind of a man. He's my kind. I like guys like that. All right, so we hit a bit of a hiccup, but we keep going. 
You know what I'm saying? It's not right. I like a man like that. Okay, so we hit a bit of a problem. Let's have a cup of coffee, talk to the plan and keep going. And this is what happened here. David never stopped the plan. He knew God was in it. Oh, he got a bit angry. Why did he get angry? Why did, why did God allow that? Maybe because it would change the next generations or maybe Usa got a little bit too familiar with the ark. Or maybe, you know what, it got, it, because the Bible says that they were not allowed to touch the ark. Really? And the fear of God should have stopped Usa. The fear of the Lord should have stopped him. You're not allowed to touch it. If that thing falls, it's God's responsibility. Quite honestly, sometimes the fear of the Lord, sometimes we miss a little bit. We get a little bit too used to the glory. We get a little bit too used to what's happening. You guys, you are so blessed here in Cornerstone and you that are watching me, I don't know from where. I mean, hallelujah, you are having all of that. For us in the mountains, we are having a drum, a, a, a water bottle and a, and, and a stick. And oh yeah, don't forget the pigs. We also have pigs up there. But that's reality. And that's just where we are at. And I don't even like pigs because when they cook the pig, they, 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 they don't open it up. You understand? They don't clean it out. They don't, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm a registered nurse, you know, <laughs> and I grew up on a farm with my daddy and I know what it looks like when you slaughter an animal and it's done the right way. They don't, they, they kill it here and that's it. And then they, they don't open it up. They cook it just like that with everything inside. Welcome to lunch. And then they call me and they say, Sister Suzette, come and eat. You are our guest of honor. Come and eat. And I, God, Oh, sorry, I am fasting today. <laughs> God forgive me, it's the truth. <laughs> it's the full truth. <laughs> and so we see here that David never stopped. And there was this readjustment. And now we see David actually got it. He got it. David built houses for himself. And then he says, then David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him, to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together again. Wow, you are my kind of a guy. I like you. And then it says, and they brought them together. And we see that David said to them, humble yourself, purify yourself. Verse 12 is the answer. This is what God wants for the glory. He says here, verse 12, and he said to them, you are the heads of the father's houses of our brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord of our God and the place he has prepared for us. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Wow! Verse 12, and he said to them, you are the heads, sanctify yourself. Oops! We didn't hear that the first time. Everybody say, oops. We didn't hear that the first time. We heard about the mighty men. We heard about these great guys. And I mean, I think they were mighty, you know. I mean, I have respect for these guys having grown up with five brothers. They could swing, I mean, they could swing a sling and they could split the hair with the left hand and the right hand. That's something. 
Oh, come on, you women, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you grew up with boys like I did, you, 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 you learn to appreciate a few things. And so these guys, were, they were not small boys. Last time we heard about the big boys. Last time we heard about all the people coming. Last time we heard about everything, everything, and all that has prepared and the great plan. But this time, for the first time, we heard humility. We heard sanctification. We heard the order of God. We heard the word of the Lord. Suddenly, now, David, I'm in with you, in the plan, and you're in line with my plan. It's not your plan, David. This is not about your glory. It's not about the king of Israel. It's about the kings of kings. Amen. Come on, say amen. And sometimes, people, God allow little things to happen, things in our life, to bring us, not to destroy us, or to break us, or to bring us down, or to break even the vision or the plan, but it does bring us back sometimes in line with the original plan God has through humility. Yeah, go ahead, clap for Jesus. For the first time, we see David not coming in his royal robes. We don't see the 30,000 men. We see, sanctify yourself. Humble your heart, you leaders. Come on, let's pray. Let's be on our faces. Let's come in humility before the Lord. Like Heidi, she says, let's come low. That was her expression. Let's come low. Yes, let's come low before the Lord. Let's strip ourselves of our own ideas and our own mind and what we think is important and go back to what God thinks is important. And I had to learn that. I'm a daughter of Reinhardt. I worked 18 years with him, and after I left for Voice in the City, but for Voice in the City, I regularly worked with him, talking at least once or twice a, a, a month with him. He was my daddy. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, when I enter the pearly gates, can Reinhardt be there, please? <laughs> yeah. My dad. Anyhow, and, um, but I wanted to say, I learned so much. And then God took me from the nations. I was constantly traveling 14 nations per year and ach, in and out and blah, blah, blah. And then God threw me into the midst of Papua. And everything I learned or everything I knew or everything it worked in Africa suddenly didn't work in Papua. And I had to fall on my face and say, Suzette, the 30,000 men and the strategy does not work. Hit the carpet on your face. Strip yourself before God. I think Papua changed me more than what I changed them. And I had to learn this, this principle of humility of David. God is in the plan. God just needs to readjust it a little bit. And God is in your plan. God is in your vision. And God just needed to readjust it a little bit. And then we see when true humility comes and when true beauty of the Lord comes, people, then the glory of the Lord will be in our lives because Psalm 34 verse 5 says, He looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
So we see this amazing reaction from God to the glory, what God needs really for the glory, and then we see what we think or what David thought was important for the glory, and then God showed David, this is in your heart, this is what I need for the glory, which is really strip yourself, humble yourself, I don't even need all that, I just need an open, honest heart. What an amazing thing. You know, I said this morning, I look at those people when we were up in the mountains and we had this little helicopter and we were five of us in there and we were up in the mountains, we slept, there's no way we could reach the people any other way. And there I stood with my steam that the helicopter would fly us back and forth into this place into the mountains where we were and we stayed there with the people. Of course, don't talk to me about the toilet or a shower and don't even ask me what it would look like. You will not sleep tonight. It's not good for your health. So anyhow, so there we were and so we were to fly with this helicopter and it's us and there's a peak. So I look at the pilot and I look at the peak and I said, uh, and this peak? He says, this peak has to go with us. I said, this peak go in the same airplane as we go? Yes, we have to put it at your feet. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, this peak has to go with us. Well, of course, to the Papuan people, pig meat is really a delicacy, you understand that? It's not my delicacy, but it's theirs. But anyhow, so I said, are you serious? He said, yes. They asked me to take the speak. And here came the one organizer. He said, he said, mama, mama, we have to take the peak. He was prepared to let the staff stay behind, but the peak has to go. So we put the pig inside, we got there, they slaughtered the pig. I mean, people, please, we had pig for breakfast, pig for lunch, pig for dinner. The next day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I said, God, how long is this pig lasting? <laughs> it's like that. I mean, I think Jesus was feeding the 5,000 with bacon. So here we are, and, and I'm the guest of honor. I have to pray over that food every time, and I bless the pig, and I bless the pig, and I thought, Suzette, it's all your fault. You're blessing the pig that well that Jesus is multiplying it. <laughs> and eventually, I said, God, how much longer are we gonna have bacon? And I remember this one time, I had to bless it one more time. I, I just could not, I said, God, if you can bless this pig one more time, go ahead, amen. <laughs> but what did it do to me? It stripped me of myself. It stripped me of my own arrogance. It stripped me of my own pride. We think we walk in there to bring Jesus to them. We think we come and tell them about the Christ in us, the hope of glory, and then we hit nothing else than bacon, and we see how much flesh is left in us. Amen. Amen. So if anybody is planning for me for lunch for pizza day, I'm not eating. So here we are, and I need to come to a close. 
And I just want to share this with you, how we see that God's reaction is about the glory. And then we see, we see what we think God needs. All these people are poor, and it's all good, and it's wonderful, and excellence is great people, nothing wrong with that. God was in that plan. But then God shows the essence of what He needs for the glory, which is nothing else than a stripped heart and humility before God. And then we see the reaction of the people. Now you're gonna have people that goes with you. Some of them were really with David there. They were humbled themselves with David. And then you had a Micah. Micah, it doesn't say Micah, the wife of David. It says Micah, the daughter of Saul. And Micah was looking at David and she despised him. His dignity, his, the way he was dancing before the Lord was a shame to her. It didn't fit her religious box. It didn't fit the way people thought that a king, how she thought a king should actually uh, uh, conduct himself before them. And she'd look at him and she despise him. And we see this religious spirit despising the humility before God. And she's barren. Wow, that's Micah. I want to say to you in closing that sometimes also people in the church where a spiritual barrenness comes in because we don't like the presentation. You understand what I'm saying? We don't like the way that the person is presenting it. Thank you, worship team. We don't like what we see. We don't like the way it is. I remember I was actually preaching in Papua and they had an international conference there and there was a certain guy which was a missionary from doesn't matter where, that's not important. And he came to me and he says, I have a problem with you. I said, well, I'm glad you said it's your problem, it's not mine. That's <laughs> exactly what I said to him, got my witness. And he said to me, I said, I, said, I said to him, what is your problem? He says, I don't like the way you carry yourself. I said, my dear, if you have a problem with a, switch it off, walk out or close your eyes if you, don't, if you don't like what you see. Why? Because I am what I am and I'm not gonna change for him. I carry what I carry before God for his grace. Amen. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen! And so I see that there's a Micah sometimes that sit with barrenness in the church because it's too long, it's too loud, it's too this, it's too that. Paul stood for rebellion. Paul stood for, for rebellion against God, while David's house stood for humility and worship. And some people have everlasting something to say. I don't like it this way, I don't like it that way. I don't like the exorcism, I don't like the loudness. I don't like the worship team, I don't like this, I don't like that. Well, my darling, please, to be here is entirely your choice. Come on, say amen. And I wanna bring a close into that. And I've promised pastor I'll be out here by 11.40. I'll give him the microphone back. So you must listen and fast forward. I've got one minute left. Here we see that Micah actually judged him and barrenness set in. And I want to tell you that when we talk about the glory, we don't talk about the manifestation. We're not talking of a cloud. We're not talking of the healings. We're not talking of miracles. When we talk about the glory, we talk about Christ. 
We talk about the attributes of Christ. We talk about the manifestation of the attribute of Christ. The word glory is face to face. You talk about the attribute of Christ that moment. And if the attribute of Christ is in you that moment, then it doesn't matter if it's a miracle or if it's a sign or if it's a wonder or if it's on your face or if it's a dance. It doesn't matter. Then our focus is not on the attribute. Our focus is not on the miracle. Our focus is not on the manifestation. Our focus is Christ. Come on, give him a clap, will you? Will you stand on your feet, please? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. You are the attribute in us. You are the plan. You are the glory. And we thank you, Lord, that it's not some cloud or some manifestation or some feeling or some emotion. It is Christ. just listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.